My name is Josh Alvarez. And I'm Liam O'Donnell. And you're listening to episode 90, the year in review of Cinepugs. Cinepugs. We didn't actually plan it that our year in review would be episode 90, but 90 is like a very good number for us to be doing. It's a good round number, I think. Well, now we got it. You know what? Listener, here's the other thing that you don't know. Me and Liam dressed up for this. Yeah. I mean, I'm in a, I mean, I'm at home. But yeah, I'm in but, a full tux and tails. Yeah, me too. Tux, tails, and gloves. I'm holding my microphone with gloves. The white oh, kind. Oh, yeah. The kind that, the kind that uh, has no real use or purpose other than you know to make it look like you're wearing white right. gloves. The only thing that doesn't fit is instead of having the requisite uh, top hat on, I actually have a fedora on because I'm in ah, the basement. Right. That's how that works. And I wear kangles because that's all I wear. So, you know, holla at your boy. <laughs> holla at your So, so... This year, we're this episode. We're going to go back on um, things that we've discussed this year, things that we've loved, things that we haven't loved so much. And um, this is always the most stressful episode of the year for me. I'm going to say it. Well, I mean, here's the thing. I feel like because we do this thing, people expect us to have some sort of end of year, John. And what I find so upsetting is that everyone else seems to like have their end of year decisions before the month is even over. And meanwhile, like some of my favorite movies I only just got to see recently. Like, you know, I just saw yesterday one of my favorite movies. I'm not going to say where Which we will on the get list. to. Yeah. Boom. But, but you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't understand how people are already like, whoop, this is it. I got it. I got it together. But I guess it's because <laughs> people, I mean, here's what it boils down to. We should go to more film fest because I feel like everything that I couldn't see in the theater regularly probably played at a film fest. So if I had gone to a film fest, I would have already seen it. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, that makes total sense. The funny thing is that, you know, we've been trying to talk about doing anything like do a team Cinepunks mission to like Fantastic Fest or do a team mission to uh, Cinepocalypse or whatever. And the only film festival that I personally, I've made it out to two in my life now. The first one was the Housecore Horror Festival before um, the Pantera dude said all the white power stuff. And then the second one was um, the Nitrate Film Festival in Rochester that I went to uh, last year, I think now. Uh Uh-huh. And, and all I saw were movies before 1951, <laughs> so which was awesome. And we're going again this year because it's the shit, man. Like, I mean, I don't know how I feel about Rochester, New York specifically, but the George Eastman Museum and like all the film archival stuff like that stuff is awesome. And then the fact that they cast on nitrate prints is amazing. Like, well, it's super crazy. So for some time, Cinepunks has had a, uh, let's say, adversarial relationship with the Philadelphia Film Society. Um, and I've thought for many a year, you know, screw that Philly Film Fest. We don't need to go to that. Who cares about that? But what I realized this year was that a bunch of the movies that I wanted to see before the end of the year that were never going to play the Valley before the end of the year had played at the Philly Film Fest. That if I had gone to the Philly Film Fest this year, I could have seen all those movies and had my list done and not even worried about it. Now, for people who go to a lot of film fest that's a bummer actually because a lot of those movies got wide release so why are you seeing them at a film fest but for me in october i could have seen a bunch of movies that i was curious about and then i wouldn't have to think like how am i going to see these movies before the end of the year because living in the valley a bunch of stuff like stuff that's at the ritz right now in philly let alone stuff that's playing in new york might get here in a couple months you know what i mean like maybe and then it only play for like a weekend so 
I really, really kind of wish I had gone this year and might think about going next year, at least for the bigger things that I'm like, well, if I see it now, then I don't have to worry about trying to see it in a scramble by driving to New York in December or something. Yeah. Well, also, here's the thing. 2019, new year, new podcast, and we're burying all the old axes. We're burying them all. And uh, to the Philadelphia Film Society, despite our adversarial past, as Liam put it, we forgive you. It's a long story. It's a long story. If you don't know, you're too late. It's too late for you to get into it. Just know that me and Liam left the, the Film Society, and then we weren't f- fans of them. And I don't, I'm not saying we necessarily have to be fans of them once again, but I would like to bury the hatchet and say, Philadelphia Film Society, you're all right. Yeah, I agree. I think, uh, and also, like, you know. 2019, man. Listen, I forgave Ben Affleck. Yeah. And I forgave uh, James McAvoy in my uh, very kind and generous of spirit year of absolution 2017. So why not have an organizational forgiveness in 2019? You know what yeah. I mean? Why not have like <laughs> we're forgiving teams now? And you know I feel I mean? like I feel like we're at the point where we're going to rack up more haters anyway. So yeah, man, you know, and I'm why, okay with that. Yeah, why not just uh, let that one go? Especially because I don't think they care. It's not like they have a beef with us. We just have been like, we don't need to do now. Now, to be fair, I'm also not going to like go out of my way. Like, you know, I'm not. I'm willing to go to the fest because I want to cover the fest, but I'm not going to like go to every single event that if yeah. I don't think the I'm also I, or whatever. I'm not hugging shit. Ain't right, nobody exactly. getting hugs. Nobody. You hear? Yeah. And I'm so, okay with that. So here we are. We're at episode 90. Uh, first of all, we need to thank all of you for listening. Um, we're, we have been really just impressed that people have stuck with us. We know that sometimes we're not always uh, consistent in our publishing, but uh, we really appreciate the fact that we have a group of people who are committed to us and who listen every episode and who sometimes let us know what they think and get back to us and really appreciate that. And we also, uh, the next level up from that, from the from the loyal listeners, are all of our Patreon supporters. Uh, we have had a consistent group of folks supporting us on Patreon, and we just all you owe all of you a big thank you. Uh, Let's see. Malantonio, Grace Kim, Lynn Vu, Evo Tomas, Alex Walker, Ryan Sawyer, Jacob Coucher, I think. Josh S., who I met, by the way, came out to those Shaw Brothers things. Great dude. Nice. Uh, Nick Guidotti. Here's the thing about Nick. He's an early. He's been supporting us on Patreon for a long time. I've never said his name right because I don't know how you say his name. And every time we record and we and I've said his name because I said it way back when he first supported us. I was like, Nick, let me know how I say your name right. He never let us know. So I'm just letting you know if I said it wrong. Thank you, bad. Nick. Uh, Bruce Park. I don't know. I never heard of the guy. Yeah, Bruce uh, Park is my hero. The Jinko uh, Jesus. Katie Mulligan. And of course, my mom. Uh, and then <laughs> as well, there's uh, two people on the team who are part of the team, who are part of Cinepunks, who don't need to support us but do anyway, are uh, Adriana Gober and Justin Lohr. They are are in the cadre, and they still put money in the bank. So we appreciate them uh, giving a little bit for uh, Cinepunks to exist. so yeah, thanks to all of you. I th- I I think everyone has gotten stuff they're owed. If you have not, let us know. I want to hook you up. I know some people like say no because they think they're they're like, well, you know, I don't want to you know draw down or whatever. We we have some shirts, so at least we can give you some shirts. I have a bunch of movies and DVDs that I've acquired that I don't want. You know, they send them to us and, you know, I'm holding on to them to send to folks like you for supporting us. So I want to send those to you. Um, And 
we want you to be on us because we are committing to recording uh content just for patreon we have a date set up right now i'm not going to reveal when it is but it's very soon where we're supposed to record some patreon exclusive content so we want to make sure that y'all are honest about that if you're thinking like where, where's my where's my patreon content let us know you know we we want to make sure that uh we are we're fulfilling that obligation yo man secret track son secret set of punks yeah it's uh, so and of hard course, and of course, we we gained lots of new listeners this past year, and uh, continuing supporters. We we love all of you, uh, and you know there are a lot of podcasts we love and who uh, we've done stuff with. We appreciate, but I want to specifically lift up uh, Nerds and Nostalgia, Nightmare Junkhead, Neon Brainiacs, and Nameless Cults, because these are all people who've in some way supported us, or who've mentioned us, or who've tweeted about us. Um, I think those are the ones off the top of my head i'm sure some others have especially horror business uh gets a lot of support from other horror podcasts so um i'll make sure when we do the end of year episode for horror business to mention you then too but i just appreciate podcasts who we don't give them anything we haven't like offered them anything they're just nice and and they support us so i want to support them check out those podcasts uh and you know to anyone else who who has our back uh whether it's in front of the scenes or behind the scenes, this year has only happened because of you, and we really appreciate you. Super appreciate you. Uh, and then, of course, there's our supporter. Who's our who's our sponsor again, Josh? I, I might have heard of them. They're in the Valley, are they not, Liam? Which Valley? The Lehigh Valley. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> man, that was that was lame. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Chris. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, another thing that we couldn't have been able to do this year without the steady support and the love from the Lehigh Valley Apparel Creations. Um, I know Liam talks a lot of jokey, jokey stuff, but sincerely from my heart, like, man, you guys are the best. And we really appreciate you guys and the hand that you've had in, in making us the T-shirt company that we are today. So uh, thank <laughs> you so much. Thank you so much for your support and love. And it really does mean a lot to us. And um, yeah, if for all your screen printing needs please go to uh xlvacx.com lehigh valley apparel creations for um shirts and promo and stuff like this and if you got a band if you got a movie and do they do posters too liam or no they do do uh, flat stock it's not their primary uh, thing but if you have an idea and you're looking for a good rate they will hook you up uh, i think that what they do there is really great i just know that their specialty is apparel and that they can print on all kinds of apparel uh and they're willing to work with you to figure out a way to do what you need. And they have talented designers on staff. So if you just have an idea and it's not a finished product yet or a finished image, uh, they'll work with you to help you get to where you need to go. Uh, hit, hit them up. Mention us. There's no we, – we should set up a discount. There's no discount right now <laughs> using our name, but it helps us a lot if they know you came to them because of us, uh, yeah. which has happened a few times. And a big thank you to everyone who's gone to LVAC because of Cinema punks yeah uh, i would particularly like to lift up my friend jeffrey mitchell of the yes, yes 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 he yes, had a yes. uh, beautiful ringer t-shirts made for his uh, wonderful band and he told them he came from he came because of a recommendation from the punks so thank you jeff and happy new year to you and your fam and i love you and um listen to the modern hypocrites uh i believe they have a Bandcamp page but i'm unsure at the moment so uh yeah so thanks to lvac and like you said thanks to all you please uh if you haven't yet check out our various social meds 
uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. It's all Cinepunks. We just have it. It's Cinepunks. That's easy. And, uh, you know, if you, you like know what the though? show. It's, it ends in an X. It ends in an X. That's I, and, true. You know, it's a thing that at the time when we made it, we're like, oh, this isn't going to be weird at all. But then when I tell people, like, yeah, Cinepunks with an X. Everyone's like, Where, where's the X go? It's like, at the end. At the end. No care. Here, here's the thing. I'm sorry, but I'm just... I'm so used to the term punks with an X that it's weird that I have to explain it. But that's fine. It is <laughs> yeah. It is what it is. And well, I mean, here's the thing. We're primarily a movie podcast, Liam, as you've said so much over the past four years of us doing this, sir. It's true. So, it's true. you know, people who are movie fans aren't necessarily acquainted with the punk end of things. That's true. We hope that we can draw from... All the movie nerds and all the punks, and have soon form a, a, a coalition uh, against the jocks. What? I don't know. <laughs> uh, okay, well, now is the time when we do our, our patented. patented, yes, Special, world famous, world freaking famous feature that is known as. Whack it on track. track. It's so much harder over Skype. It's so much harder. It's over hard, Skype. but it went pretty. That was a pretty good one. Considering there's no, there's no visual cues. Normally, Liam has very uh, listeners who don't know what he look like. He has very expressive eyebrows. So I always know like when it's coming yeah. when we're face to face. But we're we're not video skyping. You know what I mean? Because I, I don't I know if I, I kind of just let you lead the way. Like I'll yeah. just follow you, and when I hear you start to say whack, I'll jump in. That's right. my thing. That's a good move. That's a good move. That's a very uh, orchestral arrangement, you know, like like I'm a conductor and you're an oboe player. <laughs> it's also weird because I feel like a lot of uh, a lot of people when they're recording over Skype like this, the yeah. thing you have to do the most is try not to talk over each other. So the fact that we try to at least once an episode talk over each other is like <laughs> weird. You know what I mean? Yeah. And do it in unison. Yeah. Not so not so good at it. It turns out. <laughs> But it's okay. Let's get to the segment, Liam. So, All right. uh, what have you done recently that was whack and or on track? So, I'll be honest. I haven't gotten to do a whole lot. The holidays have been uh, very quiet for me, and I haven't gotten to go to many events of any kind. I have uh, seen a few things. Uh, uh, two, I don't want to get too much into because I think we're going to talk about them in a little bit. That would be Into the Spider-Verse and If Beale Street... Uh, could talk uh, those will be coming up later um, I do want to say on track um, the end of year list on who shot you uh, pop rocket and axe to grind were all like just a lot of fun uh, and I don't often lift up other podcasts on here but but those were just ones that I, I just took joy in, in listening to them and so I wanted to point those out and not only just their end of year but they also all did holiday specials that were really fun um, so I recommend those podcasts a lot. On the whack side, um, I only wrote down one, but I actually have two. Two movies I saw. They're not totally whack, but I just didn't love them. Uh, and we're not going to get a chance to talk about them because we're only talking about our favorite things. Uh, Aquaman. <laughs> Seeing a lot of people freak out about Aquaman. They love the Aquaman. They think Aquaman's magic. Josh, <laughs> I didn't like the Aquaman. No, I didn't hate the Aquaman. I, and in fact, I would say in the on the Liam scale... Aquaman was a big old surprise because I went in thinking it was going to be trash and it was not it was you know parts of it were very fun it's certainly mindlessly fun in a lot of ways and yeah some some parts of it were really 
disturbing imagery, like the the weird fish monster guys as they swarm in the deep and they fall uh, down. That part was great. Trench, that part was oh, awesome. Yeah. All that trench stuff was amazing. But uh, but there's also a lot of things I thought were stupid, and I didn't care, really. <laughs> I, I mean, they were stupid, and I thought, oh, that's stupid. But I left kind of being like, I wish I had seen something else in some ways, but it's fine that I saw that. It's not, you know, whatever. I left sort of medium on the movie. But uh, it's like a carbohydrate to me. Like it's got a lot of flavor, not very much substance, and I'm okay with that. Yeah, I. I but it's still kind of in the whack pile, just because for me, a, I really have so many movies I want to see right now. Like, why did I see Aquaman and not The Favorite? Like, I really wanted to yeah. see The Favorite, and I. And, but people wanted to see Aquaman, so I went and saw Aquaman. Same with, <laughs> uh, and people are gonna get mad at this comparison, but this is who I am. Same with that movie Vice. Went and saw Vice. And uh, what's funny is some of the same people who are in my Twitter feed talking about how amazing Aquaman is and it uh, like revolutionized their world hated Vice. They're the same fucking movie to me in that they both <laughs> are a combination of things I really like and things I really don't like. Uh, Vice, if I could have the same amount of anger about uh, about Dick Cheney with a little less sort of like brainy condescension, like... I, I just feel like my man made the movie thinking that people would see it and they would not understand why Dick Cheney was there. There's just a little bit of like a, like a, like a talking down to about it. But on the other hand, um, no one else is really making movies about that time. And, and I know a lot of people are saying like, well, it's too soon to make movies about that time. But my problem is like, I keep seeing people who don't seem to remember that like everyone in the Bush administration should like be at the bottom of the sea. Like they don't, they don't seem to remember that. They're like, "Yeah, Bush, not so bad." And I'm like, uh, "No, no, that's incorrect. That's yeah, that's not a thing." So, so for me, the movie was cool for that much of it, and and you know, highlighting some things that I knew about and some things I didn't know about. So that was great. Uh, it was also that. done. It was done by the same people who did Spotlight or one no, of those movies. No, The Big Short. The big short. Yeah, yeah it's yeah, Adam yeah. McKay. You know, uh, director of oh, Anchorman, right, right, right. Adam McKay. So. Heard of him. Heard of him. Uh, and, and I do think it's a little weird for him to like have this attitude of like, oh, none of us were paying attention. When like he was one of the reasons none of us were paying attention. <laughs> you know what I mean? But I yeah. mean, I, I technically I was paying Maybe I part of my attitude on it is that's when I started paying more attention. Like I had a general, you know going to hardcore shows we were all kind of like the government you know but yeah. but it was only during that administration that i was like really involved in like understanding what was going on and the details of politics and really getting into theory and stuff so that was like the beginning of my caring in a way mm -hmm. yeah. uh, and maybe that's why the movie kind of like resonated in some ways because it's like uh i'm understanding that connection a little bit more or or something i don't know but it is in many ways a stupid film and i will say that obviously it's easier to like aquaman because aquaman was fun and there's not <laughs> a lot that's fun about vice on the other hand they're both a mixed bag to me i just feel like they were both dirty burritos you know like <laughs> yay it's a burrito oh no there's dirt in here you know um so i don't know that that was my feeling but that's that's it for me on the on the whack is those two and again Neither one was like super whack. They were just a little bit whack for me. How about you, man? What's going on? Whacking on track. Whacking on track. Um, well, on track has been, um, you know, we just had the holidays. Um, that was pretty fun. Me and uh, Melani went crazy on the nephew and the niece and uh, did the Uncle Santa business. 
So that was pretty on track. It was cool. We got him a Nintendo. We got him one of those classic Nintendos. You know what oh, I mean? Like sure, the sure, sure, sure. NES yeah, yeah. Classic. And I don't think he had it for more than 12 hours before he was slapped with a sanction of 20 minutes a day limit. <laughs> and an hour on weekends. So I'm like, yo, Uncle Joey did it. I'm already hit. fostering bad kid behavior. So I know, appreciate that's, that. that. That's how it's to, supposed to be done. But, uh, you know, spent some time with my family and that was pretty good. And we spent some time with Milani's family. So it was on track, on track. Um, I just saw Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse and we are going to get into that later on the list. But man, what a movie. It was, uh, it, see, here's the thing. It's always like, a sketchy proposition to go to the movies between Christmas and New Year's yeah, sure. uh, in Philadelphia, New Jersey area because it's like a bunch of like people are there. And just, you know, constitutionally, a lot of people in a the movie theater isn't my favorite thing. So whatever. But we went there yesterday and it was uh, like a pretty early screening. And I was like, all right, let's see what Liam's talking about. And two hours later, I was all about it. It was wonderful. Um I really like the animation. I really like the storyline, and the voice actors were really great. And yeah, just great, great, great. It was a super fun movie. Um, another thing that I did recently that was on track was I went to the Philadelphia Met. Have you been to? The, have you heard about this thing? No, not at all. So it's a new venue that exists at uh, Poplar and Broad in North Philly, or at least north of Market, and it is a huge opera house, like the Metro. It's like the Philly Met. That's what it is. Wow, that's really is and it. It's really new, right? Like I yeah, can't yeah, imagine like, what was there before. It's legitimately like three weeks old, and wow. we've been seeing like postings for uh, shows that are coming up there, like Jim Gaffigan's coming, and like uh, we have tickets actually tonight. It's New Year's Eve, and tonight we're going to go see uh, John Oliver there, which should be a pretty interesting time. I'm so jealous. If I if I didn't have a family here. <laughs> who wanted me to spend time with them, I would ditch right now and try to get tickets. <laughs> They're so selfish, your family. But anyway, um, yeah, so it is a huge venue. It is gigantic. It has balconies and, like, it's got an orchestra pit. Like, it's huge. And it looks immense. Like, when you walk into, the like, the actual place with the stage and stuff, it just looks huge. You know what I mean? Like, you ever, do you remember the first time you ever went to, like, the truck? Yeah. What was the first band you ever saw there? Uh, Civ. Civ. Well, who was the opener? Do you remember? Uh, the Deftones. Oh, my God. So you walked in and you see the Deftones on that stage, and you remember how big they looked? Yeah, it was crazy. Yeah. So this is the same feeling that I got when I went to the Met, which, incidentally, I went to go see the Feelies and Kurt Vile and the Violators. Um, it was, man, they just looked. Wait, so that Kurt Vile show was at the Met? Yeah. Yo, that's crazy. Was it packed yeah. out or what? It was sold out, I believe. Jesus. Yeah. I knew Kurt Vile was popular, but I didn't know he was selling out a venue like that popular. Yeah, man. It was like a ton of people. What will be interesting about you seeing John Oliver tonight is that do you watch his show very much? Because I watch it all the time. I do not. He fucks on Philadelphia all the time. It's one of his favorite jokes is to talk about Philly as the worst place ever. And I know that that's <laughs> partly because he's a New Yorker now, and so they just have to take shots. But, like, I want to see what their reaction is to him and if he's going to make Philly jokes tonight. Like, oh, I'm just man, like, I, I almost so want people so. to, like, yell at him or something, you know? But whatever. <laughs> I've I've definitely tweeted at him, like, 
about Philly a couple times, and of course he doesn't. You know, who cares what I say? But <laughs> I care what you say, Liam. <laughs> so, so yeah. So it was it was awesome. I can't wait to see how this thing. I know that when they opened or something like Bob Dylan played there, and it's one of those things, right? Like we're not really a big venue kind of people, but. Like when something like this of this magnitude happens in your city, you're going to pay attention, especially when you like things like comedy and you like things like, you know, like major rockers. Um, I will say part of my whack for this year was that I saw Kurt Vile and the Violators the other day. I just don't understand that kind of rock and roll anymore. Oh, like you went to that and you didn't have a good time? Yeah. Here's the thing. One of my uh, dear friends, Ed Walker, uh, he's a professor at UCLA and he is in town or he was in town for the holidays. And he's like, yo, man, I got this extra ticket to see Kurt Vile. And I just haven't seen Ed in so long. So I was like, yeah, I'll go. Like, of course. And here's the thing. I'd seen Kurt Vile before. He opened for Paul Simon at the Man Music Center. And I went to that. And uh, I just don't get it, man. I really don't understand his appeal. Like, I, I, I mean, I recognize that he's Philly all day. Like, he's about as Philly as the roots. But, uh, I just don't understand, man. I just don't get it. Uh, so here's the deal. I like the records, and I like him as a person. His episode of uh, Mark Maron's podcast uh, is pretty good. Uh, and hearing him talk about growing up in Philly and all that stuff, that's all pretty good. But uh, but I, the idea of going to see him live, especially in a setting like that, actually does sound like a bit of a bummer. There's not a lot of energy to it, right? He's not, like, rocking out up there. I mean, he's shredding. Like, he's definitely, like, a guitar shredder and all that. I just don't find that interesting to watch. Yeah, it's it was not my favorite. Uh, And and here's the thing. To be fair, the gestalt of the experience was there. Like, I was looking at this new venue, and there was, like, a million people out there. Um, Here's the story, though. So (laughs) it's a seated venue, right? So you're watching this rock and roll band in a seated venue, which already categorically is bizarre for me it's not, it's not my it's not a thing that i'm used to right and uh there's a moment when ed was like yo i gotta go to the bathroom and he came back and he was like dude there are a bunch of white dudes that were peeing in the bathroom when i was in there and they kept on saying stuff like yo man how are we gonna get everyone to get up and dance <laughs> and i was like is like how are you gonna dance to to kurt vile i just don't understand man I, again i you know and maybe it's because I'm spoiled. Maybe it's because like high levels of participation are just what's called for in hardcore shows, and this is different than that. And that's where I learned, like you know, what concerts were, concerts. Uh, and it's just I don't know, man. I just don't understand. I just don't get it. And and I'm not trying to be some like weird edgy dude or anything like that. But man, you know, it's the same tempo the entire time. Like, I don't know. You like the records, though? You're a fan? Like, I, you like- I can straight up put on the first few, at least, and chill out. It's, like, very relaxing music to me. I like his voice. I like his guitar work. I like his lyrics. Uh, but, you know, lately, and this will be reflected in my, uh, in, when we get to the meat of this episode, uh, chill guitar music is just not as interesting for me anymore. And it's, and it's weird because I used to, I mean, you know this, we've talked about this, there was a period in my life where... All I was listening to was like Elliot Smith, Nick Drake, Pedro the Lion. Pedro the Lion. I I do still like Pedro the Lion. Actually. Uh, <laughs> da- but Damien Gerardo and you know uh, fucking uh, uh, obviously the Mountain Goats, who I still like. But like I used to only like their guitar stuff and not the newer, more 
rock. Electronic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So all that to say, that style doesn't connect with me as much anymore. But there was a time where I thought Kerfile was cool. It's a little edge for that kind of music, for that kind of like chill white dude rock. It's pretty edgy for that. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? Like, yeah, it is. There's there's not much to it per se, but I get why people when they listen to it feel more punk because he's got a little bit of like a whatever attitude. But that being said, it is so it's very quiet. Not quiet. That's not what I mean. It's very relaxed music, and I'm not always into relaxed music. Or if I am, I want it to be a full ambient experience. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't know. I, I, like I said, I like the records, but uh, you know, we're from Philly. I've only seen (laughs) my man once, and I didn't watch the whole set. So clearly, I'm not that big a fan. You know what I mean? Right, right, right. uh, But but I have at least a couple records I have. uh, Not the records. I have the digital of them. Uh, But like, again, I don't have any vinyl. You know what I mean? Like, So it's it's a weird thing. He's definitely someone I can put on, and I appreciate why people like him, but I'm not a huge fan. Yeah, not my thing. And you know what, though? Uh, to each their own, and I'm not, I'm not mad at anybody. I'm just saying, like, wow, not so much my favorite. But uh, so that was whack. Oh, you know, I, there is one more on track that I have. Melania and I went to Baltimore last weekend to go check out the John Waters exhibit at the Baltimore Museum. Oh, Park. yeah. How was that? And um, it was pretty wild. Like for people who are fans of John Waters, as me and Melania are huge fans. Right. Like it's it's um, an amazing exhibit of things that are familiar to you. But it's also a really interesting look into the visual mind of one of the world's truest identities. You know what I mean? Like, he's, like, not just a weirdo because he thinks it's funny. Like, I I think he's, like, the genuine article dyed-in-the-wool weirdo. And, um, like, there's so many things in this exhibit, which I believe is going on until the end of this week. So if you have a chance to check it out, I would strongly suggest you do if you are a John Waters fan, because like there's a whole like display that's dedicated to Divine, and there's a whole thing about Mink Stoll. And um, it's really crazy because there's a when you go, you can get like the audio guide and you just walk at your own pace and you listen to like all these recordings about the pieces that are on display. And John Waters does most of them. So it's him just being like talking about this weird shit that he put together like one of the one of the funnier things that he had in the in in the um exhibit was he had a um a baby carriage like a stroller that was dedicated to all the gay sex clubs that he visited in new york in the 90s so it's like a baby stroller and it has all the logos of like clubs in the 90s that apparently are no longer there like the boner stop and like it's got like screen printed dicks on it and all that stuff and like the straps that you like hold the baby in with you know it was like a leather bondage thing and it was just it was just on display on a pedestal it's fucking weird but it was hilarious like that's the thing and you hear john waters talking about it he's like i made this carriage for my fake child david that i made up and like apparently that was like a big joke in the 80s i don't know but um yeah, the, the whole display overall shows like a very nice and uh, tender approach to um, this like art that is so outsider that it's so like focused on like queerness and it's so focused on like um, feelings of uh, of belonging and feelings of uh, of being an outcast and all that stuff that it has a very strong emotional core. Right. Like you go and you see it and you're laughing because there's pictures of buttholes. There's one thing that he had that was uh, a display of uh, all the pimples in a Pasolini film that he had uh, taken pictures of off of his TV and then printed and cut out 
and put on like a big piece of paper. That's crazy. Fucking wild. But uh, it was really, really cool and really fun. And like it was it was interesting to see like his takes on things. And um, yeah, one of the one of the actual like weirdly morbid yet strangely funny, which I think is like the crossroads where he really feels the most comfortable he had this one piece of art that had a picture from the Knight's Tale, and it had a picture from like another innocuous movie, like uh, I forget which one it was. And he was like, "Oh yeah, I put these together because these were the films that were playing on the two planes that were to hit 9/11 on on they like, hit the World Trade Centers." He was like, "Man, not only are you gonna die in a plane, but you're gonna die in a plane with the Knight's Tale playing." And like he had this whole like thing about it that was again strangely morbid, but also kind of funny. You know what I mean? Like a tongue in cheek yeah. kind of. Oh, and then the other thing that was really, really funny was that he had uh, a, t- a table read for Pink Flamingos, but with children. And it was so Pink Flamingos, when it came out, you know, had an X rating and he rewrote the script so it would have a G rating by uh, MPAA standards. And then he had a table read with a bunch of children that he filmed reading the script of Pink Flamingos, but that all the curse words are gone and like. It's so bizarre because it's it's a video of the table read and all the kids are dressed like the characters. It's very strange. It's and it's called Kid Flamingos. So funny, so funny. So well, that was way on track. All right, that that's awesome. I'm actually super jealous of that. <laughs> it was. I it really was a cool want trip to go. To, oh, the other thing is, we in that trip we also went to Atomic Comics where he gets his mail every day. Sure, 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 sure. And it was that. Have you ever been to that bookstore? No, 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 no. It is magnificent. It is awesome. It's everything that, like, if Cinepunks was a story, it would be that. Like, it's punk, and it's comics, and it's books, and it's, like, it's everything. It's so cool. It's so cool. So, if you're in sunny Baltimore, I would suggest you go to these places. Cool. All right. Well, we're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to jump into our end of 2018. Da Real drugs do real things, go to extremes, crash regimes and kill kings. In the last reprieve, he still sings how the task that the master needs reveals wings. And though he has to bleed, it still brings him heaven and hell. Better believe the truth stings. Tying his arm off with violent strings, his eyes and dreams. Diverted as the siren screams eternal. Overdosage is a marketing scheme that's just as dark as it seems. When it's a part of your team, with the esteem of a savant. As smart as a genius, vanity carried the dope into the heart of a fiend. Another destroyed life was meant to be more righteous in the face of this full-on opioid crisis. While the wolves pull a wool on and prey on vices, still the dogs with the hood on. It's way more frightening for death. You're not ready. Trust me, I'm deadly as the fentanyl that killed Prince. And Tom Petty, I will venture still into the trench and bomb heavy. Every infidel will feel the strength of my melee. And so it begins as evil intends to start off slow. They graduate the needles and pins. You will have forsaken everybody, even your friends, and see where it ends. The visuals are reason to cringe. You're watching this. He took a shot in the esophagus. He's in the zone and stone like a sarcophagus. Try stopping this. I'm on top of the metropolis. It's narcissists over narcotics anonymous. Broken promises, broken jaws, and dope whores. I separate the fact from the folklore. Let's estimate the tracks that I spoke for. Euphoria is the most that you could hope for. I ghost wrote for the greats and took the best out. A poker face from the estates, I had to stress out. But no complaints from the erase that had to check out. Hey yo, I got a brand new bag for you to test out, yo. This shit crazy.
And we're back. Hope you enjoyed that musical interlude. <laughs> I know. I wonder <laughs> what it's going to be. I wonder. <laughs> so right. how do you want to start this, buddy? You want to start with movies? You want to start with music? What are you feeling? Let's go music into movies. All right. That works for me. Yeah, man. So 2018. Yeah. A year. Oh, my God. This was a, was a good year. There's so much stuff this year that I was so pumped on. How about you, Liam? Like, do you feel like in terms of years? I think this year we got a lot of good art. Yeah. Well, I remember last year we didn't even do an end of year episode uh, last year because we just felt like we weren't ready and it was too much and we had other things we wanted to do. So we just skipped it all together. And honestly, uh, at the time, that felt really good for some reason this year. And I guess it's because there was so much stuff. I just really wanted to do one, which was like the opposite of feeling I had last year. So, you know, I'm glad I'm glad to do it. I'm, I'm, I'm into it. But uh, but I'll say that it was hard when it comes to music, at least. There was just so yeah. much stuff. And even looking at this list I have, which is longer than the list I was supposed to have, I'm still like, oh, man, I didn't put this in there. Oh, man. OK, because uh, there's just a lot of good things came out this year. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And a lot of stuff that like really resonated with me. Uh, and I, I like that. Let's do more of this, guys. Let's do more awesome stuff happening. So um, let's just jump right in, Leo. Let's, let's get there. All right. Who do you want right. to start? You want me to start? What do you want? You to do? start. Let's let's let you go. All right. So let me just go ahead. We we said that we were going to do fifteen for albums, just to like be, you know give ourselves some room. Uh, mm. I I do have uh, uh, a list of twenty here, uh, just <laughs> because there were five that I felt like I needed to mention that you know didn't fit in but the ones i want to give a special mention to you should still check these out but i'm just not going to go in i'm not going to say much about them uh sunstroke uh friends of the show uh with their album uh so on on spotify it says second floor seven is that how it was released well seven was the ep that they had released like a year ago and second floor was the lp that they recorded now and i believe i don't know how it is for the vinyl but i believe uh spotify just released them both Together. Or they release them via Spotify together as one thing. But I think if you buy them, they come separately on record. Uh, I don't, well, and it they... doesn't it doesn't really matter. They're both really good. I'm recommending yeah. them both. But you know, they come together on Spotify, and but I don't know if they come together if you buy them or they probably do. Like, but it's like a special deal or something. Uh, but anyways, they're really great. Revolution Summer sort of stuff. Uh, yeah. sna- snail Mail Lush. I think... oh, they played the Kurt Vile show. I think Snail Mail, looking at my list, yep, Snail Mail is the only chill guitar music that made it onto my thing <laughs> at all. That's it. The whole, that's it. Just Snail Mail. So that's interesting. Um, uh, I would actually put... So that's interesting. Well, just because I don't listen to, I, I thought, I used to listen to a lot of that kind of stuff and only her music made it on. Is female sort of uh, folky singer-songwriter stuff. It's yeah. not too upbeat, but it's not that. It's not like super depressing either. I like it. It's pretty. Um, it's sort of the thing I could put on when I'm reading, and it's just really relaxing. Um, Drug Church, uh, new album, Cheer. Uh, it took me a bit to get into Drug Church. They're sort of in that weirdly poppy space for hardcore. You know, like they're yeah. definitely a hardcore band, but they have some popular songs, and that, that was off-putting to me at first. Uh, but the more I listen to this record, the more I got really into it, and I'm a big fan. And lyrically, it's intense it's an intense record um the here's collective friends lovers favorites we both oh, love this record so good. yeah it's really great um I, I i honestly the only thing that kept it from being in the top 
15 for me is uh, partly it is so intense, and, and I'm not listening to that much intense stuff lately. You know, like there's definitely some heavy <laughs> yeah. stuff in my top 15, but this was like the heaviest thing I was listening to. Um, uh, going back to this, I would say like I said, snail mail is the only chill thing. I also would add Nicole Dollinganger's uh, Heart Shaped Bed to that. I think it was really good. And then uh, at the same time, I'm listening to the Here's Collective. I also really liked the Mammoth Grinder record and the Outer Heaven record, but the Here's one stood out to me because it had more, you know, Mammoth Grinder and Outer Heaven are really great, but I don't listen to a lot of metal. They're sort of like the outliers for me right now with, with that. Here's isn't really metal. It's more hardcore more grind. Yeah. But so it's a little closer to what I like normally anyway. Um, and I and if it would, this had come out in like 2000, this would, would would have been my, I mean, this should be your favorite medical record as far as I'm concerned. Like it's, yeah. it's got riffs, it's got heavy mosh parts, it's got grind. It's, it's just it's a got quality. Shirley, it's got Shirley Manson from Garbage doing guest vocals. Yeah. I don't, <laughs> I don't love, I think the, I don't love all the drumming on the record. I'll I'll put that out there. The the way it's not that the the playing, it's the way it's recorded. I wonder if it's still digital or if it's a live recording. No, I believe it's uh Alex Lichtenauer who does get better records playing. That's what this, I that's what I yeah. think too, but sometimes it just doesn't sound the way I want it to. But that, right. it, that it, I'm being nitpicky. It's still a great record. It's just that's one of the few things that kept it out of there. And then uh last one, Black Thought Streams of Thought Volume 2. Oh um, my god. Yes. I, I counted volumes one and two as the same because they both came out this year. Yeah, it's it is it's possibly I think the combo is possibly one of my favorite hip hop records that in a long time. Um, and if it in, in a year with less great music, it would have been in my top without a doubt, period. It's just wow. So, yeah, it's just a lot of great stuff came out this year that and I and I honestly had to go with what I was listening to more. Possibly if Streams of Thought Volume Two had come out earlier in the year, it might have made it higher just because I would have been listening to it more. You know, uh, the, Volume Two has only been out for a little bit, and I haven't had that much time to listen to it. Uh, so it's like so I good. really like it, but it's like oh, but I spent more time. You know, anyways, we'll get into it. So those are sort of my outliers. Uh, so let's get into the fifteen here, uh, and we'll try to go fast so we're not boring you guys or anything. But uh, at fifteen, I got Gouge Away, Burnt Sugar. Uh, this is their uh, Death Wish Inc. debut. Uh, Gougeway is, I think their past stuff you could put within the realm of like hardcore adjacent, maybe more like emo-y, screamo-y sort of stuff. Uh, this record feels very post-hardcore to me. Uh, I like the lyrics. I really like her voice on this record. I like the way uh -huh. that she delivers stuff. Uh, I, I don't know. It's it's not a band I know a lot about. I, their last record was the first time I'd ever heard of them, and they had been around for a bit, so I'm definitely late to the party. But I, the last record is to me more abrasive it has more fast parts kind of power violency parts as well as like whatever it, it goes back and forth this new one it, it, it has more of a rock feel at times more of a uh -huh. like i said post hardcore feel but it's great it's intense it's beautiful at moments it's it's cool it's not like i said a mosh record but it's something that i could really get i really get mm. into so got right. away burnt sugar death wish ink check it out uh, Young Fathers, Coco Sugar. I got to give props to Adriana Gober. I think she's the one who told me to check this out. Um, it's I don't know musically how to describe this. I, I think one of the things I love about it is the way it's recorded. It has a lot of sort of like a, a low end feel to it. Uh, there's there's a very like bassiness to it. Um, it's somewhere between 
pop and dance and hip hop. It never is quite any of those things, if that makes mm-hmm. sense, you know. Right. Um, and it's something that I can put on that the whole fam is fine with. There's no, you know what I mean? Like this is mm-hmm. like a this is like a I'm dancing around the house making dinner record. It's it's upbeat, but it has some very emotional moments, and I just something about it really appealed to me. Uh, and I had never heard, I, apparently this is a group that's been around for a while and I've never heard them before, but this record, I'm glad. Thanks to Adriana for recommending it. Cause it really connected. Nice. Uh, Svalbard. It's hard to have hope. This is one of those things that I picked up on, uh, uh, someone else's end of year list and I checked it out and I really like it. Uh, I, I the, the only way I can describe it is imagine a feminist, uh, political version of Touche Amore. Uh, okay. they're they're european punks i think they want to be somewhere i think their desire is to be somewhere between tragedy and um oh who's the uh who's the mexican um group that played not this year at uh not this year at the poc fest in philly but they played last year because of uh, an a. amygdala amygdala this sounds like they're 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 reaching for an, somewhere between amygdala and tragedy, but it's yeah. got just a little too much emo going on for that. It's a little bit more on the touche more level plane record side, you know, some yeah. real like quick strumming, some real emotional kind of melodic parts. But instead of being about death or relationships, every song is well, I don't I can't say every song, but most <laughs> of the songs are very political and very much from a feminist viewpoint. So I thought they were really great, and I'm glad I I, I was able. To find them uh mill spec changes this is an ep not an album but it was one of my favorite hardcore releases of the year they're very much standard hardcore with just a little bit extra you know what i mean uh-huh. yeah. they're not quite amazing core but they they sort of have their own thing going on uh i like it it's definitely not for people who are looking for something more diverse than a hardcore record but it's a very uh-huh. good hardcore record for me nice cool this next one was because of you josh the midnight hour self-titled uh. Dude, so good. Dude, it's I don't know how to describe it to people. It it feels musically like a live band playing your favorite DJ record. You know what yeah. I mean? Because yeah, it's yeah, it's, yeah. it's 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 not all new music, but it's mostly new music and it's very it's got a soul thing at times, it's got a funk thing at times, it's got a very R&B thing at times. It has songs that just sound like beats for a hip hop song, other songs that just sound like free jazz sort of stuff. It's it's unique. It's definitely not something I would have seen coming at all. And I think what people need to know is that it's Ali Shaheed Muhammad from Tribe Called Quest yes. and uh I forget who he's who the other guy's name is, but that record's amazing. Um Next, uh, Blood Pressure, Surrounded. This is a uh, one of those Braddock bands. I'm sure it has members of Concealed Blade and Hounds of Hate and all those other bands. Uh, I think they're breaking up soon. It's one of those sort of bands. Like uh, People finally like it, so of course they're going to break up. I, I don't know. Um, uh, I really like this record. I, I think it's... it's got everything I want. It's got the fast parts. It's got the, the slow sort of like get low beats you know it's angry uh it's doesn't have if you're a concealed blade fan it doesn't have the lead guitar you know it's less of the mixing of metal and punk and it's more hardcore to me but i i just like it and it manages to be 
it manages to have that toughness without being a bro band, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it yeah, has yeah, that yeah. old school kind of New Yorky sound. So I liked it. it. It probably would have been even higher up my list. But when I actually looked through what I've been listening to a lot this year, I realized, like, there were some more poppy things that I was, you know, because I want, you know, the first pass of the list is like all these hardcore bands that I like. And then I go back and go, oh, I listen to this a lot. I listen to that a lot. So I need to add that in. Um, uh, next one, Serpent with Feet, Soil. I've talked about this on the show a lot. I probably yes, don't need to say much more. you love Serpent with Feet, yeah. I love, I, here's the thing. I really like this LP. It's not as good as the EP for me or else it would have been way up at the top. Like, I just love him a lot. But I think expanding to an LP I think was hard. Not all the tracks I think are amazing. Uh, it's right. still in, you know, I think it's still within my top 10, yeah. But it's it's not in my top five because I, I think it's just hard, but there's a few songs on here that are just amazing. And I just like his style. And, you know, he sort of described himself as like borrowing as much from Bjork as he is from gospel music. And I think that's true. There's a very Bjork thing going on right now. It's awesome. Yeah. Uh, next candy. Good to feel triple B records. Candy's the hot hardcore band right now. Um, I think a lot of people are confused by this record because it's like, is it a metalcore record? Is it a D beat record? Is it a hardcore? Record? You know what I mean? Like it just yeah. borrows from a lot of different things. I like it. I think it's really great. I'm on board. Uh, if this is the future of uh, what's going to be popular in hardcore, then I'm then I'm stoked because uh, I just I like I like that they are a diverse sounding band, but it doesn't feel like a gimmick. Like it feels like that's who they are. They listen to all this stuff. This is who they yeah. are. And, and they've been willing to play some really weird tours. You know, they've done a lot of shows and they have never, they haven't uh, sequestered themselves to one part of, you know, hardcore or punk or whatever, you know, they've played with a lot of different people. So I really respect that. And I like this record a lot. You should check it out. If you like, if you like heavy stuff, if you like it to be a little bit on the fast side, I think candy's up your alley. Uh, no name. Really disturbing cover art for that record. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. Both this and the EP. Uh, yeah, I. Uh, it's that right there is like I don't know what's going on. <laughs> what's happening here? I kind of love it. I think that's really great. I I think as they're really actually setting a tone aesthetically that I appreciate. But uh, yeah, but yeah, I could see some people being like, "What the fuck is this?" <laughs> Give it a chance. It's good. It's real good. Uh, next, No Name, uh, with her album Room Twenty Five. No Name is a Chicago rapper. Uh, came out of the uh, like slam poetry scene, and I think that reflects in her music. This is very chill. Her style is very intellectual and 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 kind of like fast, a little sing songy at times. Uh, she is not playing games. This record is a lot angrier than I think her last record, and I appreciate that. Um, yeah, if you if you like more of the jazzy beats and you like someone who's got some real rhyme skills i think no name is for you but there's no toughness here there's no boom bap in your face this is a <laughs> this is a relaxed record this is not like right a, right, like right. A jam record is no name from uh spirited away is that what that is uh you know what i don't know i've never looked in to see i i just assumed it was uh like an acknowledgement of like never being famous that's something i think in former stuff she talked a lot about how she would never be famous you know but maybe that right. doesn't work now that she's starting to be a little bit famous i don't know uh, but yeah i i discovered her through uh chance she's on a bunch of the chance uh chance the rapper uh uh mixtapes so uh, i followed her from there and really like her stuff so yeah, if like I said, 
if you like the rhymes, I think she's got the rhyming. <laughs> uh, Room twenty five, and 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 there's there's some video. She just released her first like music video for this record for a song called Black Exploitation that I think is really good, and the video is really great. So I recommend checking that out as as well. <laughs> uh, Spiritual Cramp Television. Yeah, so, I listen to that record a lot because of you. Yeah, what did you think? I love it. It's fucking yeah. great. Yeah. Uh, I, now this is a this is a compilation of EPs, so it's kind of cheating. Uh, but for me, I hate EPs on digital. I kind of hate EPs in general, honestly. <laughs> but I really hate it on digital when a band has a bunch of EPs that I want to listen to all of them because it's like that I got to make a playlist of their EPs and it like, gets on my nerves. So <laughs> maybe that's a petty thing to care about, but that's where I'm at. So that's the future of releasing of music. I know it is, and I think bands should probably for their own bottom line release eps but as a listener i like that this is a compilation of those eps <laughs> i can listen to it all at once i know i'm such a nerd this is where i show that i'm old and washed but oh well uh so spiritual cramp they're like uh how would you describe this musically because you listen to more uh, stuff like this than i do yeah i don't know it's like rock and roll yeah but it's, it's kind of like it's got weird some post general yeah it's got a lot of elements of things post but it's also like at, at its core it's a rock band Right. That's what I love about it. Well, I like his vocals, though, I think are very unique. His vocals yeah. have their own sort of thing going on. And it has some like interesting dub elements that I think I wasn't expecting. I wasn't expecting that kind of delay, that kind yeah. of reverb going on. Um, yeah, it's a, it's, it's a little bit of a funky record, but it's very much... I think if you like punk and you like your punk to be less screamy, this is probably going to work for you. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I dig it a lot. Uh, next... And this is uh, one of my favorite hardcore records of the year. Mind Force Excalibur. Oh, man. <laughs> it's so, like, guitar-y. It's so a mix of, like, leeway and then modern hardcore. It's got thrash parts. It's got mosh parts. It's The lyrics are redunculous. I like this band <laughs> a lot. And and it, the singer from this band has been on Axe to Grind, and he seems like a real charming fellow with a lot of cool things to say, so I appreciate that. This record's heavy, man. I just I, I really like it. Um, I, I wish I could have even listened to it more. Uh, and I will say there's probably some other great hardcore records that didn't make its way onto my thing. I don't get to listen to hardcore as much as I used to because I don't have as much time alone. So uh, <laughs> the reality is the fam isn't so stoked on me blasting mind force uh but i have actually made them listen to this a little bit just because i like it so much but uh if if you're like why isn't blah 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 on here that might be why because i just didn't get to listen to it enough but uh i made an effort for mind force excalibur it's real good uh number i guess we're at number four on my list here uh janelle monet dirty computer honestly i listened to this so much it probably should be my number one but there's a one at least one song on here i don't love uh, mm-hmm. That kind of bums me out. So there's a there's this like weird America song on there that I don't really like, uh, but I still think this is one of the most interesting releases of the year. I like her style. I like her mix of like pop and R and B and hip hop. I think a lot of the music videos she did a visual album for this. That not all of it works, uh, but the videos that work, I really love the aesthetics of. And there's a there's a real empowerment of different voices here. Uh, obviously. You know, any R&B release in 2018 should probably have like some sort of statement on race. But this is more than that. This is also about gender and sexuality and mm-hmm. and even just humanity in general. Plus, I just ship her and uh, and Tessa Thompson as a couple. So 
that's that was part of selling this record to me honestly uh, right but, but she's i just think she's really brilliant and I, what is great about this record being so good is that it's good in a way where i think she could go more it's not like oh this is it it's like this is showing growth from her older stuff and i'm excited to see where she goes with it so yeah uh, Janelle Monae, Dirty Computer. Uh, number three, Tierra Whack, Whack World. <laughs> uh, you Wack. love Tierra Whack, yeah. Oh, man. And big up to Joey Breeding, uh, host of Wine and Cheese Podcast. I would have never listened to this if he didn't. One day I was driving down to Philly. I'd been texting with him and Mike Paulshock just about their podcast. And I was like, hey, I'm driving down in the city to record with Josh. Can you recommend me something to listen to? And they're like, he said, check out this Whack World record. She's a Philly rapper. I think you'll like it. Uh, not all the songs on this are like the style of hip hop I usually like. But the thing about this record that I think is so interesting is it's a 15 minute record. It's 15 songs. Every record is one minute and it, it only needs that minute to like set the vibe and let you know what's going on. Uh, and if you really want to have your mind blown, don't even listen to the record if you haven't heard it yet. Go to YouTube and watch the visual album because it's just a 15-minute video. And she has a different set and a different outfit and a different like almost narrative for every song. It's so brilliant that I was not surprised that when I you know saw that and then I read up about her that she's a visual artist almost more than she's a musician, you know, and that this record is like part of her art that like really made sense to me. Uh, so you pile that on top of the fact that like most of this record is jams. It's just jams, you know, like even if it's only a minute, it's just fucking good. It's just bangers. So uh, <laughs> Tierra Whack, I really liked it. Uh, I just think it's one of the more challenging in the sense of like i didn't see this coming sort of thing so it'll be interesting to see if she can follow it up it might be a little too gimmicky for her to follow it up but it works for me for this record at least good gimmick good yeah, gimmick yeah uh next one blood orange negro swan uh i loved blood orange's record that came out maybe that was last year maybe it was the year before uh but i, I love their last record i listened to it a lot uh i forget the dude's name um, but it's one guy, but he collaborates with a million people uh, as a producer. Mm -hmm. uh, this record, it kind of blew me away. It's got a little more... None of his lyrics are like substantive in the sense of he's telling like a narrative story, but mm -hmm. they're, they often sort of set a vibe and kind of make a point, and this one had a little bit more to it to think about, uh, heightened by the fact that uh, there's there's a, an interview on there that he sort of cuts back and forth between of um him talking to uh janet mock uh and that stuff is really powerful and you know i don't love everything that janet mock does but i, I think she's pretty interesting in a lot of ways and, and at least what she says on this record it works for the songs and it helps sort of put you in a place with it so i think in 2018 a you know queer black record about identity that has some real interesting slow jams on it and just has a lot going on sonically uh, and it has weird guest appearances from people like uh, ASAP Rocky, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. I'm into it. I'm down. It's cool. <laughs> uh, and honestly, you know, I don't even know if I would have put it as high on my list if I wasn't reminded by Spotify that I literally have not listened to anything else as much as I listen to this. That so often when I just want to put something on to be this is the record on, you go to. It's this. And I didn't yeah. even know it until, you know, the, the algorithm told me. And I realized, like, you're right. And I asked, I even asked Sue's, like, is this right? She's like, you listen to that record all the time. So, <laughs> one orange. Uh, but it's not my number one. My number one is. 
unsurprisingly, my favorite hardcore record from one of my favorite hardcore bands, uh, hardcore broadly defined, I guess, uh, Tragedy Fury. I, uh, you know, it's so good. So good. It's yeah. so good. This band is just unbelievable. It's an EP. You hate EPs. I hate EPs, and yet this is a perfect EP. It's it's the perfect length. Every song is amazing. Uh, again, I don't get to listen to harsh stuff around the house as much, so maybe I haven't listened to it as much as some of the other things. But when I am trying, I'm like, all right, I'm going to put something on. I keep going back to this record. It's so good, and it's it's so good. And it, you know, part of it is like the reality of like returning champions, like. This is a band that could have just faded away. Every record they've put out is good in its own way. Uh, I still love the earlier stuff more than later stuff, but all the later stuff is good. And then they just disappeared for a while to do other things, and that could have been it. They could be. They could have literally just fallen off the face of the earth, and I would still be like, "Tragedy is goat." You know, like they're just yeah. amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, bam, they come back with this record that's just as good. That like, if you want a physical record, you have to order from fucking Abolition. What is that? <laughs> just that alone puts them in another realm. You know that they put it out on Abolition. So respect yeah. to Tragedy. This record was great. Uh, I don't know how much more I could say about it, but if you like, you know, it, it, they started off very much as like Stadium Crust. You know, Stadium Crust. Oh yeah, Epic Stadium Crust. Yeah, that's definitely them. <laughs> um, but I, I mean, think dude, on the, whoa, that's a phrase that, that, yeah, okay, go on, sorry. You haven't heard this? This is the most, no. some would say that they, they invented what is now a very popular style of stadium crust. But uh, but I would say that as they got old, as they went on, they kind of left some of the epicness behind and added in some more harsh, a little bit faster, a little bit dirtier production. And I think this record really perfects a lot of that. And it's just a, it's just a solid uh release that really gave me what I wanted, you know. Apparently Fury yeah. is what I needed in twenty eighteen and I appreciate that. So yeah. Tragedy yeah, yeah. number one. All right. That was a lot. How about you, Josh? All right. It's all again, this year was a lot of stuff for me. I listen uh personally as a musician I've had a lot of high points and low points um this year. Some of the lowest lows I felt plus some of the highest highs. Um and I guess that's the same for every musician every year. You know what I mean? Like no year is just like, oh, this is just awesome all the way through. Like, everybody has their ups and downs. Um, but as far as uh, consumer of music goes, there was a lot that um, that I didn't have room for on our list, you know. Uh, things like the uh, State of Grace 7-inch that American Steel put out. I don't know uh, uh, if you know, listeners, I'm a big fan of American Steel. And uh, not all of, like, the No Idea style punk rock, but um, that's one of the fest bands I really do love. And they've been away for a minute because one of their... Uh, one of their members had cancer, I believe, and then like he is now in full remission and he's healthy, so they put out another EP, and uh, that's really good. Um, the Warthog uh, EP I thought was really good. No Light Below by Joy was a, a band that I found because of uh, Holy Mountain Printing, and they were they were giving big ups to that band, so I checked it out. It was pretty uh, dark, thrashy kind of metally stuff. But um, my number fifteen, we're gonna start at the end. I have uh, a band, an oi record by a band called Krim from uh, Bogota. Uh, I believe it is called Pare Nostre Que Estu Al Infern, which stands for, which uh, means um, something uh, prison father. I forget what it is, but Krim is an oi band, uh, and they sound amazingly like if oi was played by uh, Leatherface. Like if you know sure. how Leatherface yeah, has yeah, like yeah, a fast. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it's like gruff, and uh, it's it's just really I don't know what's going on. There are a lot of bands like Dead Hero um, from f- 
from that part of the world that are just putting out like awesome and solid records of of just classic sounding oi that has been like freaked a little bit and uh i'm i'm here for it i love that shit um next we have on the other side by marked men i don't know if you guys know who the marked men are um it's the one dude they're from texas uh it's very sweaty like garagey kind of catchy punk the guy also does other bands he does um Radioactivity is the more recent one, and then Lost Balloons he does with uh, this dude from Japan. And it's all the same. It's kind of like a garagey punk vibe. I uh, really like that a lot. Um, Heavy Mental Fuck Up by Paranoid. It's a uh, Oh, that's really good. Oh, yeah. man, I love that record. That it was. It's one of the, like, there are a few crusty records like that that came out this year, like, that are more on the punk side. Like, the Shit LP is really good. And um, That shit uh, record is it? great. It's so good. And then uh, there, there are a couple other ones that like really caught my ear this year, but this Paranoid one was my favorite one of the year of that ilk. You know what I mean? Um, and then we go into Fall Protection by uh, a band called The Silence Kit. That's a local band. Uh, my friend Darren plays drums for them. Um, they're one of those uh, bands that are like uh, in that indie rock vein that is occupied by bands like Unsane. Or no, not Unsane. Um, Unwound. Sorry. Wrong. Unbanned. And... Uh, they they remind me a lot of um, bands like that, and of uh, Drive Like Jehu with like there's an aggressive like slant to it. Um, what, one of the guitar players, um, my friend James, he was in a band that Halo of Snakes had played with before called Caval, um, uh, and uh, he's in this band now. And uh, I think the record's really really good. I really uh, not just because I think they're great guys, but also I really like listening to it. Um, Chosen Family by Thin Lips. Do you know this band? Uh, th- I only know them because we uh we printed their shirts at LVAC. Oh man, the the record is like in a in a year when bands like the Beths came out and like a bunch of this like female fronted um, poppier like rock. Um, it's like you know LGBT style like indie rock. It's uh reminiscent of uh not sonically but politically of bands like Team Dresh and uh you know that that beautiful heyday of like Huggy Bear and bands like that. Um, it makes me feel like I felt like when I listened to those bands for the first time. So I think it's pretty good. And then we have uh, Second Floor 7, Sunstroke, which we have uh, discussed earlier. Uh, so good. I, I love that record so much, and I love those guys. I love Joey. I love Sean. Like all, and Everybody in that band is awesome, and um, they've, they allowed me to play the record release for that record as a solo act, and it was uh, pretty funny. It was pretty funny. He's the only dude in the room older than 40. But okay, you know, I'm here. And um, respect and love to those guys. Uh, and then we have uh, Communications Link reestablished by a band called Hundreds of Ow. Do you know this band? No, I've never heard of them. Uh, it's Thomas Schlatter from uh, The Assistant and from You and I. And it is like if The Assistant and You and I played sci-fi music. It's fucking brutal. Whoa, that sounds it's cool. It's super duper fun. Um, and then I have The Night Falls Forever by a band called Devachka. Uh, Devachka is a band that um, I, I found They've been around for a while I've been listening to them Yeah I had like their old stuff Like What was that Like 10 years ago Maybe Yeah more. yeah yeah yeah. It's super good It's um, I found it And it's funny Because like I like the record a lot And the reason One of the main reasons That I do is because It is a, a record And a band That is attached to my experiences At Philadelphia Eddie's uh, Getting tattooed A uh, good friend of the show And good friend to me My friend Troy Souders Is really into this band So it's like One of those records That comes on and it just reminds me of being around like a bunch of friends and getting tattooed and like telling stupid jokes and just being goofballs. And I really do have like an emotional resonance because of that record. Um, and then I have a record by um, 
a lady named Kelly Moran, and the record is called Ultraviolet. It is a electronic uh, record. She made her name by going on tour with bands like uh, One Oh Chicks Point Never, uh, who uh, did the opening slot for Nine Inch Nails on this last tour. Um, I really, really like it. It's very shimmery, and it, it has a very ethereal feel to it. And, um, yeah, it's just a beautiful record from front to back. Uh, and then at number five, we have Inward by a band called Hotel Neon. Um, they pick up the mantle of the ambient style electronic music. It's not exactly like IDM or any of that stuff that's like really popular right now with people like John Wren, who I love. But uh, it's more of like the laid back meditative type uh, elegiac responses to like a catastrophic world. And uh, it's a beautiful, beautiful like, you know, record for me. I uh, listen to it a lot. I listen to a lot of that stuff anyway. So, uh, you know, that's kind of my shit. Sure, um, sure, sure. Number four, we have Friends, Lovers, and Favorites by Hers. And, Whoa, uh, so much that. higher on your list. Dude, I love it, though. It's, it's like so, so much good. my thing. It's so Oh, heavy. my God. Yeah, and it's like, you know, I've managed to, to see that band, and I've had the opportunity to play with them a couple times. And uh, every single time from when they played as a, a two-piece and, you know, to when they played as a full band, it's been nothing but um, honesty to the degree of uh, self-immolation like it's it's so bare and it's it's so human while still being so like mechanically like abruptive and and just ah super wonderful it, it's it's truly an example of what punk can be uh if we let it and and that's what i, I love about I that record and, and, and it's like it's easy to feel uh it's easy to feel like allyship with that you know what i mean like there's yeah, so much yeah, music yeah, yeah. i like where i don't identify with who the people are i don't identify with what they're about and when you love the here's collective you feel like you're on the right team yeah yeah i mean you the, their merch says it's okay to be sick and that's one of the songs like dude that shit is awesome who's saying that you know what i mean who is Agreed. allowing who's allowing that space to be occupied by us where we already are just it's a attitude that keeps us from seeing it and 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 pretense and that band breaks all those barriers down and i love them for it and i think they're one of the best bands that philadelphia has to offer so you know uh number three jera contra droga by a band from new york called namatai sainai they're a filipino punk band um and the record is a a uh, gutter punk perspective of what's going on in the philippines with duterte and uh the people and it is that's cool a wonderful record i mean the, so uh one of the guys in that band is also in material support which is another filipino punk band from new york and um like that both of those bands are kind of like brother and sister bands because of course they do share a member but also like just the the lyrical like uh, they're very smart and very like poignant takes from people on the ground floor of what's going on in the philippines even though they're they're immigrants and they've come here like they still are very tied to to the mother country and they're uh they it's interesting to hear their perspectives on those things when i have family over there that are that that have all these different and wild perspectives on duterte and what's going on politically over there so it's good to see that uh consciousness manifest in a band that is also good so um, Agreed. Yeah, the new Namatai I, I fucking love that shit. That is the best. Uh, number two, Streams of Thought, Volumes 1 and 2 by Black Thought. Uh, in a year when hip-hop has been... Um, a lot of it has been contrived, and a lot of it is is just something that I don't find euphemous. Liam and I have talked about this a lot. We we talk about this a lot, Liam, like how much I, I have a hard time with hip-hop today. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, it's not something you connect to easily. 
yeah, it's it's definitely aesthetically and lyrically a thing that is just really difficult for me to 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 uh, resonate with. Black Thought comes out and he fucking slams the whole thing. And you know what? The funny thing is, there's another record that just came out recently, or at least that I just discovered recently, called XL. Have you heard of this um, this record? No. It is by uh, El the Sensei from Artifacts and by uh, Sadat X from Brand Nubian. Uh, had I gotten it earlier in the year, I probably it would be definitely on my list. And uh, it isn't just because I haven't had as much time with it, but it just part of that and part of the Black Thought thing is it just goes to show that like, dude, there is no, there is no manipulation of the fact that whack rhymes are whack rhymes, and these guys, even though they're old school. Dude, they're killing it. They're crushing the tongue flip. Like, and that is my shit. Like, as far as hip hop goes, that is like my favorite thing. Just the lyricism and like the the, the intelligence of, of the poetry. And Black Thought is, if nothing, he is to me the apex of that in this day and age. I mean, he's definitely I mean, the the to me most underrated MC living today. And dude. it doesn't make sense that he's not making all the money and getting all the fame because he's unbelievable. And someone always says, like, he's not underrated. It's like he's not underrated by people who are obsessed with MCs. Yeah. But he's good enough that people who aren't even sure about that should care. Dude, he's so awesome. And if you have any questions about that, definitely listen to uh, these two records or these two volumes, Students of Thought. They're my number two and my number one. All right, my number one record of the year comes from Philadelphia Natives. Dark Thoughts, and the record is called At Work. Oh, see, I, I should have known. I should have known you were going to pick this. I don't know why I didn't dude, see it Dude, I love this record so much. And it's like a thing where it's like um, it's Ramones inspired, and you can definitely see the DNA in there. But it is, it's fresh, and it's new, and it's catchy, and it's real. I mean, they have a song about the soda tax. Like, this shit is awesome, and it's very Philadelphia. And um, big ups to everybody that's in this band. And, you know, you see them around if you go to shows that everybody hits, and if you go to, you know, Boot and Saddle and all this stuff. This band rips. This record is, like, the one thing that I listened to the most this year between this and the Tragedy record, which should be on my list, too. And I, I guess I don't even know why I didn't put it on there. But uh, this record, to me, is, like, the perfect mix of punk and of pop and it's it's just a, it's just crusty enough to be to be crusty but it's also just clean enough not to be you know what i mean and i, I really really do love this band i also haven't managed to see them despite them playing all the time yeah they but, play um, so many shows yeah and i have yet to see them once because i am awesome but um <laughs> i'm gonna see them and it's gonna be awesome probably so that's it that's my record of the year I, I, I love that. And I like how diverse our lists are from each other. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I, yeah, I kind of yeah, yeah. feel that. Uh, we've been meaning for a while now to make a specifically Cinepunk's profile on Spotify. So hopefully what we'll do is get that done, and then we'll put together a playlist of our two lists, and uh, people can check it out and hear it for themselves. And, uh, you know, <laughs> let us know what we got right and what we got wrong. Uh, honestly, we just want to know what we got right. If we got anything <laughs> wrong, we don't care. Yeah. <laughs> If you think it's wrong, you can also go fuck yourself. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, that's the year in music. Let's get into the year in movies. Yeah, uh, hopefully that wasn't too long for everybody. I know it gets into details, but you know that's where we're at. Uh, do you want me to go first or do you want to go first? Uh, I'll go first. Uh, what we, We're doing five for this one, right? No, we're doing ten. Uh, and then I have a bunch of like, uh, you know. Also mentioning, but I'm not going to talk about them. But yeah, it was right. it was t- it was top ten. Uh, the the five was for the write in list with Nick, which I still haven't even done. But I mean, I'm not changing <laughs> the order. I just I need to write about one of the movies, you know. But 
All right. I'm just going to go five just because that's what I got here. I thought it was five. Uh. Um, okay. Number five for me uh, of the movies of the year. Sorry to bother you. I fucking love that movie. And, it's so um, good. When we saw it, it was one of those things that I had no expectations going into it. And it was on the press release, so like it, no one had seen it yet. And um, what I was not prepared for was like a hip hop Jodorowsky movie. That's kind of what it felt like. And yeah. I thought I've thought more on um like the strange turn that the third act takes and how jarring like the tonal shift is there. And uh I, there was a time when I was like I'm not so sure I'm into this, but as I've gotten further away from it and as I think about it more, I kind of feel like well how else are you going to end this movie? Right. So so to me the 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 bold tonal shift at the end that it's totally well placed, and I think it's it's super super good. I think so for, that, I think for me, I don't take it as a tonal shift. I take it as a sign that the tone of the rest of the movie was different than I took it to be, and so oh. it's it's almost like saying like that everything has been a weird fantasy. I mean, it's all fantasy, but that shift at the end makes me think like there's it's more fantastical than I realized, and now it makes me wonder how much of the rest of the movie is fantastical that I need to rethink that way. You know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I get it. But ultimately, I really like the ending, and I really like the whole movie, and that's my number five movie of the year. Uh, number four is the Wes Anderson movie that came out this year called Isle of Dogs. Yeah, now, you love that movie. Oh, I fucking love it. It's so great. It's like it's fun, and it's happy, and it's like it, it's, uh, it's filled with a wonder that uh, movies like this can be infused with, and only animated movies can be infused with this particular strain. Like, it's it's fantastic, and it's it's talking dogs and all this other stuff, but then also it's got a really real and human side to the story with dogs, and I really do love it. I loved um, Brian Cranston. I loved all the actors, the voice actors in it. And, um, yeah, I, that movie, you know, I know, I know, it's almost passe to say that Wes Anderson's one of your favorite directors anymore. And it's like, oh, yeah, it goes well with my pumpkin spice latte and my podcast. But you know what? Fuck it. I love Wes Anderson. That's just what it is. I mean, so I no hate here. I love him, too. This was not one of my favorites of his, but it's so charming that I really enjoyed it. Uh, it's just, you know, it's something that, for some reason, some of his other movies that other people feel are just as light or just as not deep i still think about and this one it, it i wasn't as engaged with it but it's still really good and i don't understand when people there are a lot of people who thought this was like one of his worst or or one of the worst movies of the year and these people are crazy to me i don't understand them yeah enjoy aquaman uh number three on my list is low life and i've given this a lot of thought in recent days Liam, like just thinking about why this is like the third movie on my list sure and honestly i think it's because i mean granted uh friend of the podcast and past interviewee um the director of this movie ryan prowse uh, mr ryan prowse um that guy's awesome too so i guess it's kind of a no-brainer that you know you're pretty cool we're gonna love your art too but um i really think actually at the core of it the the one of the beauties in, in the fact that this movie exists is that it is a testament to collaboration and yeah. that um, the stories that Ryan told us about him and his friends coming together to make this movie, um, that to me is truly inspiring. And then on top of it all, it is a wild fucking movie. It is wild. There's a man with a swastika tattooed on his face. Right it on his is, face. It's fucking crazy pants. And it, it, it's so, like, 
El Monstro, like all the characters and all the stories, the little vignettes in the movie, they come together in such a way that is very uh, enriching and fulfilling. And I didn't feel like I wanted anything else by the end of the movie. Like, it is one of my favorite movies of the year for sure. Like, I, I just had so much fun with it. And then, of course, we had fun going to New York and interviewing Ryan. Like, yep. that was really fun too. But um, this easily is in my top five of the year just because uh, as a cinematic experience, I really, really loved it. I thought I mean, it was really, really fun. I mean, it was my number three last year, and it only didn't make it onto my list this year because I saw it last, <laughs> year. Saw it last year. But it's, I get it's it. I get so, it. It's so good. And I think it really, even though it's gotten some uh, appeal on film Twitter and on people who go to film fests, more of our friends who like aren't who like movies but aren't that involved in that world have never even heard of it, and they really need to see it. If you haven't yeah. seen it yet, you have to make a special effort to see it as soon as possible. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, number two on my list is Hereditary. I loved Hereditary. Here's the thing. Uh, so, you know, as we are a media outlet in, in the city, we're uh, invited to go to these press screenings all the time. And uh, at the press screening for Hereditary, I went with, um, I think Ren came with me and maybe Melani. Sure. Sure. And then uh, you weren't with us, though, Liam, right? You no, didn't no, come no, with us? No, no, no. And then um, Dan Scully, like a bunch of other uh, podcasters from the area were there. And uh, typically when you go to these screener things, like um, the way it works is like they get media people like get the seats and then whatever seats are left, they give to the people that are either in the lobby or printed up like the GoFobo passes or whatever. So we're sitting there and we're getting ready for Hereditary to start. Now, all we know is that Tony Collette's in it and it's a horror movie. We don't really know anything about it. Like at that point, the only thing that had been released was the trailer and it was weird. So we're like, OK, weird. And um I'll never forget. There's like one like typically at these screeners, like if you talk, if you if you're on your phone, a lot of the critics will like lose their shit. And it's kind of funny because it's like, yo, man, we're working here. But then it's also like nerd. Like, what are you doing? Just fucking relax. You know what I mean? Like, it's going to be OK. But um, we're sitting there and there's this one kid that was sitting like in the middle of us. And he was like a 20 year old kid, maybe like just a young kid. Right. And when the third act hits on Hereditary, this kid started screaming. And all of the critics in like the circle in the area kind of just let it happen. Like I could definitely look at everybody, and they were all like, "Yeah, that's about right. That's that's kind of yeah, what I want to be yeah. doing right now too." Yeah. So to me, you know, as as fans of horror, we are jaded often by movies that come out, especially now. And it's like, yeah, I get it. It's fine. Everything's a reference to something. Uh, in that, Hereditary to me was a super fun and terrifying movie. Like, there's not. It's not yeah. kind. It's not a pleasant movie. But um, I thought it was really, really. Uh, brutal and i loved it i love the brutality of it i love the emotional rawness of it i think all the performances are good uh gabriel burns in it this is a great fucking movie that's my number two so my movie of the year do it the ballad of buster scruggs by the Coen brothers i was so surprised that this was your number one because i saw your oh. top five uh but i literally watched it yesterday with Suze because it was your number one and did you have any different perspective on it, or no? I really, I really liked it. I don't think it's, it, I don't think it's, uh, it would be that high on my list per se. But I really, really liked it. I thought it was. Oh fun. my god, it is to me. I mean, you know, Coen Brothers for me are like one of my favorite directors of all time. Like that's bar none. Uh, I've seen all of their movies and I've seen them all multiple times, and I love every single one of them, even like the ones that people don't love so much, like The Man Who Wasn't There, or like uh, Burn After Reading. But dude, Ballad of Buster Scruggs to me is one of their finest achievements uh, in film, and I think I say that because it is it's a movie that um, makes no mistake that the subtext is what it's about, right? Like that it's a movie wherein 
um, the questions that they ask and and the philosophical uh, um, questions are are the, the main part of the story that doesn't really touch on them uh, on the nose. And um, I really do love um, directors that challenge the audience and that um, that bring you a piece of art that is yours to interpret, and that's the final art. That what they put out isn't the final form of what it is that they're doing. And um, you know, Liam had mentioned when he saw the screening of Hazu with a with the director that he talked about how a movie isn't real until it's projected onto the screen of your heart. Uh, this is very much that. And uh, it's it's in a time when we're getting the Aquamans and when we're like the blockbusters or the Ant-Man versus Wasp. And I love those movies, too, but they don't ask much of me and they don't require me to get in and to get dig my hands in the dirt and to to see what what I can dig up. Where in this movie directly does that you're in a ditch with Tom Waits looking for gold. You know what I mean? Like this movie to me is just the perfect nexus of uh, all the things that I love about movies that they're short form stories, they're vignettes, and that they're about things that are greater than the sum of all the parts. And I really love it. I, I think it's, uh, yeah, it's been the finest movie that I've seen. I saw it at home. It's the finest movie that I've seen this year. Hands down. That's that's a huge compliment, but I appreciate that. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's how I felt. All right, Liam, your turn. All right. So um, let me do... Josh only did five. Now I feel bad, but I'm no. I'm gonna, I'm we we agreed up. to ten, but I, you know, I thought about my top five so much. I'm not just having it in print. I'm I'm talking about it. Yeah. Uh. So <laughs> let me let me cheat by doing my. These are the movies that didn't make it onto my top ten that I think are also really good. Um. And I could do episodes about these. Uh. But I just you know you gotta you gotta limit yourself somewhere. Uh. And some of these we talked about before, and some of them are on your list, but. Uh, let me just go ahead and say First Reformed, which I just caught oh, God, last yeah. night. So good. Amazing movie. Eighth Grade. I went in not expecting much because it's Bo Burnham, but it was really great. Same as you said, Hereditary. Hereditary was definitely my favorite horror movie of the year, I think. I think it was uh-huh. my favorite horror movie of the year. And it would have been in my top ten if there weren't so many other good movies that I managed to catch. Suspiria. I hated the ending, but I still think you have to see it. It's... It is what it is. It's it's pretty amazing. Uh, Luz, honestly, Luz uh, is only not in my top ten because I suspect it's not coming out for a long time, so it seems like a waste to put it in the top ten, and I should uh-huh. just save it for when uh, it's actually released and everyone else can see it. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. But I really, really liked it. Uh, Private Life is um, uh, available widely streaming. It's got uh, Paul Giamatti in it. It's about trying to get pregnant at a late age. It's emotional. I like it a lot. I get that people are sick of movies about uh, bohemians in New York, but I don't <laughs> care. It's really good. Uh, Knife and Heart. Uh, it was uh, my second favorite movie at Brooklyn Horror Film Fest, and I just love Jolly, and this is a French kind of Jolly, kind of not. Uh, a Simple Favor. I wanted to include this because it was one of my favorite normal ass movies I saw this year. I just saw it for to watch something fun and it was actually a lot of fun. It's not amazing. It's not like an end of year movie, but I really appreciated it. And then Black Panther. Uh if it wasn't for one of the movies on my list, Black Panther would be my favorite comic book movie this year. But then it got blown out of the water. <laughs> All right, top ten. Let's get into it. Uh you've already said a lot about it, so I won't say much more, but sorry to bother you. I think it has some rough edges. It's definitely a first film, and I don't love... I wish Tessa Thompson was given more to do because I love her. 
other than those things, I love this movie. Uh, I think it's brilliant. I think it's a movie I can get behind sort of politically and socially. I think I care about the fact that it's a message movie, but it tells a story. It's not what I love about Boots Riley as a director is that on one hand, he's a straight up communist. So he's going to do a story related to that. On the other hand, he doesn't think art can change anything. He thinks organizing, organizing and protesting and, you know, political action changes things. So he didn't have to have his movie convince you of anything. He can uh, tell a story that has his beliefs in it without it being a movie that's trying to convince you of something. And I like that because he's like, it doesn't matter if you believe him when it's over. It just matters that the movie told its story. You know, if that makes sense. Yeah. And yeah, I really I, I really appreciate that. Uh, Thunder Road. I don't know if you got to see this uh, and I don't know how many other people saw it. If you haven't seen it, you have to watch it immediately. Like, stop what you're doing. Stop <laughs> looking at this podcast. Go. Uh, written, directed, and starring the same guy. Uh, it, my one hang up on this movie is that it's about a cop. Um, <laughs> and so it's hard for me to have sympathy for a cop. Uh, but... I mean, I'm only saying that tongue-in-cheek because really it wasn't hard to have sympathy for this guy at all. Uh, and it's really about a guy who just keeps getting in his own way, uh, who wants to be a better person, uh, who wants to love the world that he's in, and he just keeps making the wrong decision, uh, but he still is someone you care about. So I like that. I like a movie. It's not that he's an anti-hero, but he's, he's not a hero. He's just a person that you understand why he's in the position he's in uh, i don't want to ruin it for anyone but it has some truly over-the-top performances that still work uh, and it made me laugh and cry so that's good uh mining the gap uh, is a documentary about skaters in rock rockville i think illinois um mm-hmm. it's not really about skating though i watched it thinking oh great this is gonna be like a mid-90s sort of whatever uh, and it's not that at all. It's very much a story about poverty and domestic violence and uh, parenting and toxic masculinity. And the guy making the movie didn't intend for it to be about any of that. He just wanted to make a movie about his friends and them skating. And he ended up with this really intense movie. And again, made me cry my ass off. So check it out. <laughs> it was on Obama's list for the year. Yeah, it's it's an amazing film. Uh, Shirkers, which is on Netflix, uh, is a film about... Uh, a woman who is from Singapore and this older man uh, helps her and her friends make a movie and then disappears with the movie. And so it's sort of about the experience of making that movie and about the experience of finding it later after he's dead, uh, having it sent to her and they have all the footage and none of the audio. And so there's aspects in it that like is about filmmaking and about being a teenager and about sort of the later part of, punk and how that influenced growing up in Singapore and all that stuff. It's it's just really emotional. It's sort of everything I want in a movie in a lot of ways, but from someone who's very self-consciously knows that they are a bit narcissistic to make a movie about themselves, and that part I liked as well. Uh, Won't You Be My Neighbor? Uh, so good. I don't think I need to sell this to you. If you care about, <laughs> uh, if you care about Mr. Rogers, you probably saw it. And uh, if you have a heart, you were probably moved by it. Uh, it's not like a, it's not like an amazingly made movie or something. But it doesn't need to be. It just needs to tell you the story because the story is enough. Uh, you were never really here. This is um, I forget the name of the director, uh, but it's uh, starring Joaquin Phoenix. It's one of these sort of violent. Uh, I don't want to say redemption stories, but uh, a, a, a movie about a very violent man sort of trying to find his humanity. Uh, he, it is, um, 
not an easy film to watch, and it's certainly not a movie to watch if you don't like violence. Uh, director is Lynn Ramsey, who, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't say I'm a big fan, but I really liked um, We Need to Talk About Kevin, and I really liked Morvern Collar. So I feel like that's enough. I mean, she I didn't see Ratcatcher. I didn't see Swimmer. Uh, I didn't see mm, I only saw Ratcatcher. I like that a lot. Oh, uh, Morvern Collar is one of my favorite movies of all time. It's like on my top yeah. 20 list. So, uh, yeah, this is this is probably going to be up there. I need to watch it again. But uh, it, I think it's really well done, and I think it's really amazing in a lot of ways. Uh, number four, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Yeah, so good. It is currently my favorite comic book movie of all time. I think it's it's... As much as Black Panther very much is a movie that empowered black folks and it empowered our country to have a conversation and it really pushed uh, Black Panther forward and, and the and the concerns of a whole community forward in a lot of ways. I also think it had problems, too, and there are things about it I didn't like, and there were things that were mishandled in it, I felt, uh, and I still would have put it probably on my top ten. And then this Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse came out, and for me, for my taste, for what I want from a comic book movie, this is the perfect movie. Uh, is it less of a black power movie in a lot of ways? Sure. Uh, sorry. But uh, <laughs> but it's perfect. Like the the use of the animation, the storytelling, the focus on Miles Morales, the inclusion of a diversity of voices, the placement in a New York that actually has brown people in it. You know what I mean? Like, uh, yeah. you know, I was amazed that Spider Man Homecoming had a bodega. I was like, look, bodegas <laughs> exist in the Marvel universe. That's a new thing. And then Spider Man Into the Spider Verse comes out, and there's graffiti, and Spider Man does graffiti. Oh it's my so good. god! It's he so wears good. Dunks and it's like, oh man, bro. The awesome. the needle drop when he goes to his uncle's house and and uh, big is on. That's like yeah, a that's not just so a good. fun thing for us as old heads. That is a character note, and it tells you so much about who that person is. It's yeah. just it's. I thought it was just a really well done film. It was a lot of fun, uh, and it's one of the few movies that scratched my itches uh, artistically and fun wise. You know, a lot of my favorite movies this year are not fun movies, per se, uh, as that is true every year. Uh, but this was fun and uh, geeky at the same time. So I love that. Yes. Uh, number three, Support the Girls. This is one that a lot of people didn't see, don't know about. And this also falls into the same category. It doesn't scratch my geeky itch, but it's funny and it's a fun movie. But it's also, I think, artistically brilliant. Uh, and I think it tells a story in a way that a lot of films fail to tell a story. Uh, it's not over the top. It's subtle, but it has uh, some really outrageous moments that made me laugh a lot. Uh, and I think it is a film that is not afraid of actors, which I think a lot of movies are. A lot of movies uh, have trouble highlighting performances. And, I, and I'm okay with that. I think actually the art of film doesn't always need good actors and it doesn't always need a good story uh but when you do it right this is this is my thing and we've talked about this before if you're going to do narrative cinema then you better fucking do it because yeah i don't believe cinema needs to be narrative but i do believe that if you're going to do it you can do it really well you can tell a good story using cinema and i think support the girls does that um burning is not that at all though it does have amazing performances especially from steven yun uh, of The Walking Dead. But as my number two film, I chose it because though it does tell a story, it reminds you that the 
story is not always the point that uh, it's not abstract. It's not like an abstract avant-garde film or anything like that, but it does play with you. It plays with your sense of narrative and it plays with your identification with certain characters. And it's one of those movies that I can't even say that much about because I don't want to spoil anything <laughs> in it. Uh, I mean, I could. I don't really believe in spoiling that bad, but I, I just think going in without knowing a lot will help you and your sense of Dis, being disconcerted, which is how I felt. I felt unmoored right. by the movie. Uh, and I found the ending upsetting. And that's great. <laughs> I love that. Uh, and then the final film is another film for me. Uh, my number one of the year. It's another one that I think highlights amazing performances. It also highlights how beautiful its actors are. It believes in close-ups, slow, uh, very meditative close-ups. It believes in showing looks, showing you that look that you get when you really love someone and you see them and you are so happy to see them, but also that look of, of a predator or that look of someone who's truly afraid or someone who's truly upset, letting the actors show you those things and trusting they can show you without having to tell you too much. And that's if Bill Street could talk. Um, wow. I think, um, Josh, have you seen this movie? Did you get a chance to see I have this movie? not yet. No. Uh, you know, it's Barry Jenkins. I do want to see it. I do want to see it, though. I heard it's pretty awesome. It, it's and, Barry uh, Jenkins. I loved Moonlight. Moonlight was like my number one the year that it came out. Uh, yeah. it's, it's still one of the best movies I've ever seen. Uh, if Bill Street Could Talk is similar. It's beautiful. It tells an amazing story. I mean, granted, it has the source text of James Baldwin, so it's hard to go wrong with James Baldwin. But uh, even with that, Many missteps could have been taken, and uh, they were not. It's a beautiful movie, and I think that you should go out and see it as soon as possible. Uh, It also is not just a love story. It's about criminal justice. I mean, that's really what it is, but it's also both. It's sort of about how do you tell a love story in the midst of uh, the white supremacist uh, criminal justice system. So there you go. Uh, I couldn't. I can't recommend it enough. I would say a lot more, but you know, Josh hasn't seen it, and I, I would like everyone to see it before we try to talk about it in depth. Right, maybe a future episode. Yeah. So, uh, with all the audio things, I I don't want to take up too much more time. We should probably wrap up here. Um, did you have any best favorite songs you wanted to mention? I don't even need to do all of mine, but if did you have any favorite tracks to mention before we wrap up? For me, this year. Again, as I said, as an artist, it was like the hardest year because I had to go through some like pretty like heavy emotional stuff. But also I managed to uh, see some pretty high highs. And for me, my song of the year is a song that the Kroskis had done, that Kroskis had written called Everything Breaks. Sure. And uh, I sang on it. It's my song. I wrote it. Um, it's about a conversation that I had with uh, my friend BK. But uh, it's also about um, at a point when I felt like I had hit a rock bottom in terms of uh music right because like you know i i left a band and then like i lost the drummer for another band and i just felt like you know what fuck this i'm turning 40 like all this shit is getting old like i'm done um we ended up having an upswing Krosky's had an upswing and uh, we managed to have uh dave wagon sheets from kid dynamite and from ink and dagger and from lifetime and from all my favorite bands he's now our drummer so um we came together and we did a basement recording at Dave's house and this is what we ended up with. And uh, to me, as far as music goes, that's how I want to think of 2018 that, you know, despite going through things and despite having like all these hardships, we, we came up with a piece of art that I had a hand in making that um, truly feels triumphant when I listen to it. And I know that's self-serving and so on and so forth, but man, it's, it's been a hard year. It's been a lot of stuff. And, um, 
if I can come out of a year like this with a song like this, um, then I can probably get through anything. I so appreciate that, me, man. I think that makes a lot of sense. The, that's my favorite song of the year. Yeah. Uh, I I have I have two I want to mention I we did a list we we were gonna do a list of five but honestly I really just wanted to highlight two uh, one is uh, Big Big Frida's karaoke uh, Big Frida I listened to the song a lot and I just didn't love the rest of the record that's why I didn't make it onto my list but this song was so a part of my life including the video for the song which I watched a lot so I just I had to mention it and then uh, Akulu who is sort of like getting a lot of uh, attention right now for they they released a seven inch that was just their demo but uh, I really like that band I like what they're doing I like the vibe and the song Sanctuary of Depression SOD I listened to a good deal uh, it's it was sort of my heavy jam of the year uh, so I recommend both those um, yeah so we you know we're we're kind of on the edge here audio wise so I think we're gonna wrap up but Hey, man, I'm glad we did Cinepunks for another year, and I'm looking forward to another year of it with you, man. It's going to be great. Hell yes, Liam. I love you. I love you too, man. And uh, we're so glad that you all listened to us and that you checked it out. Keep an eye out. We'll post a playlist soon of all of our favorite uh, records together so you can listen to it and let us know how smart and tasteful we are uh and um you know we'll probably do episodes in the future on some of the movies that we mentioned today and there's movies that we didn't get to see uh i gotta say you know i didn't see the favorite i didn't see um a lot of other movies that people are talking about that are not on top of my head uh so you know if there's something you're like i can't believe they didn't mention the sisters brothers or something like you know we 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 can only see what we can see uh and hopefully we'll check it out maybe we'll do a catch-up episode down the road of stuff that we finally saw that we thought was really great so absolutely uh, thanks for listening uh rate review subscribe on itunes please or whatever method you listen to podcasts uh download 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 and tell a friend about us we'd really appreciate it yep and we'll see you guys next year all right bye thanks a lot